Hello and welcome to Living Life. It's great to spend time together in God's Word. We saw yesterday how Malachi declares and proves God's love for his people. Today in our passage, God's love turns to rebuke for their careless and heartless worship. In other words, they were going through religious motions without true affections for God. So how was Israel guilty of going through the motions? Let's turn to our text together. Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. A son honors his father, and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors, so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying, The Lord's table is defiled, and its food is contemptible. And you say, What a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So what were some of the problems that God addresses through Malachi? We see it happening in two different ways, two major problems with Israel's worship. So first we saw that the law specified that, the, that those who bring a sacrifice should bring an unblemished lamb, not the weak, not the crippled. So look at verse 8. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals is that not wrong 
Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. So what's going on here? Um, the thinking probably went something like this for an Israelite to say, ah, oh, we got to give sacrifice again. I know what I'll do. I'll just go pick out a flock that won't cost us too much. Uh, we'll just pick out something expendable, the most worthless, the most expendable one. Let's bring a blind or lame or crippled. At least I'm offering sacrifice to the Lord. So what is wrong with this picture? Isn't it okay as long as he performed the rituals before God? The problem is that they're treating worship like it's giving tax. And what do we do when we give taxes? Like, you know, no one is out there thinking, I have to give as much tax as possible. When we give tax, we try to maximize deductions and credits. The goal is to pay as little tax as possible, legally permissible. So they wanted to cut corners as much as possible, give as little as possible to God. And that kind of attitude characterized their worship. And God's appeal is, stop cutting corners in your worship. Bring the best. Likewise, we're prone to want to go through the motions, do the bare minimum. I remember visiting a wedding hall in Korea. Uh, the, the staff uh, who were just doing like multiple weddings every single day, uh, they were so, they seemed to be mechanical and dry in their service. They weren't as excited as the family of the uh, wedding party. Their idea is probably like, let's just do the bare minimum. Let's go through our motions and go home. And God is asking all of us through the passage today, like, does that kind of attitude reflect your heart before God at all? So look at verse 13. You say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. So when you bring injured, lame, and diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them? From your hands, says the Lord. See how they're considering the worship to be a burden, to be endured rather than a, a delight to enjoy. They're constantly moaning and groaning, sniffing contemptuously, meaning they're rolling their eyes. Have you had someone ever roll your eyes before you before? Ah, oh, this is so lame. This is so, like, this is such a burden. In short, they were doing worship only because they had to do it. Not out, of a, not out of a heart full of grateful joy, delight. And what is at the heart of issue here? What is, why is the lackluster worship such a big problem? Why can't we just go through the motion? The heart of the matter is that God is a great king. Look at verse 11. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, Incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. And look down at end of verse 14. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So do you get this? God is a great king, worthy of our highest worship. And yet, we might go through the motions just because we want something else in return. Famous preacher Charles Spurgeon once told this story uh, in his sermon. He said, once upon a time, there's a gardener who grew, uh, who grew an enormous carrot. He took it to his king and said, oh, my king, my lord, this is the greatest carrot I've ever grown and ever will grow. 
Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. The king was so touched and discerned the man's heart. So he turned to go and he said, Wait, you are clearly a good steward of the earth. I owe you. I own a plot of land right next to your. I want to give this land to you as a gift so you can garden it all. The gardener was amazed and delighted and went home rejoicing. But there's another nobleman in the king's court who overheard this. And he said, My, if that's what you get for a care, what if you gave something like, what if you gave king something even better? So next day, the nobleman came before the king and he was leading a handsome black stallion horse. He bowed low and he said, My lord, if I breed horses and this is the greatest horse I've ever bred and ever will, therefore I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. But the king discerned his heart and said, Thank you, and took the horse and simply dismissed him. The nobleman was confused, perplexed. So the king said, Let me explain to you. That gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. So even the things that we thought we did for the king, we did it out of a sense of duty. We did it out of a sense of, like, I want a reward for what I do. We did it for what the king could give us. We did it for rewards. May our hearts see that our God is the great king, worthy of all our devotion, worthy of all our worship, and to realize that this king loves us so much to the point of dying for our sins on the cross. I want to end with a quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Oh, let's pray together. Father, would you reorder our desires and give us, Lord, spiritual affection, joy, delight, gratefulness, as we see clearly our great King who has laid down his life for us on the cross so that we would know you and worship you and delight in you and enjoy you forever, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For a single soul, reaching a further and stepping in closer, see Jesus.